First Timothy chapter one. Come on, get your Bibles open. First Timothy chapter one. I'm excited. This night is extra anointed. Anointed. Because I'm preaching from a new Bible tonight. I'm breaking it in, baby. You know, I've determined to not write in this Bible. I've been tempted many times. But I write in every other one of my Bibles. And this one I'm not going to because, you know, I just, I don't want to ruin the beauty. I don't want to ruin the beauty. Back off. I'm just kidding, Danielle. You know, she, her feelings aren't easily hurt, so she's probably not offended at all. But other people would probably never come back. All right, you there? First Timothy chapter 1, verse, verse, uh, verse 1 and 2. I've read this every week for the past, this is the fifth week. If you're getting annoyed of it, good. Hallelujah. The devil, get behind me. All right, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. To Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and, G- and Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the ESV Bible, ESV version, uh, English Standard Version. Um, so that's when it says, when it says child, yours probably says son. Most of yours probably says son, my true son. In the faith, but once again, we're taking from this scripture this idea of the legit disciple. When Paul was speaking of Timothy, he was speaking of somebody who was legitimately, sorry, a legitimate disciple of Paul. If there's a legitimate disciple, then therefore there is a illegitimate disciple, right? If there's a legitimate one, then that means that a disciple is a disciple. And that there's only one kind of disciple. That makes sense? How, how do I rephrase that? This thing tastes good. This thing tastes good, bro. I'm enjoying this. The word legitimate is an adjective to describe the thing that we're talking about a disciple, the noun, right? But the word legitimate is not totally necessary. If you just said to Timothy, my disciple, or to Timothy, my son, he could have said that. But because everybody called themselves a disciple or a son, or many people called themselves a disciple or son of Paul, Paul had to differentiate between legitimate ones and illegitimate ones. He had to make sure that people understood that, no, there's some of you who are illegitimate and there's some of you who are actually legit. And so as we look at this scripture and as we study this series on the legit disciple, we're trying to find out what characteristics and qualities determine a legit disciple and differentiate from an illegitimate one. Amen? So far we've determined... The first week, that every Christian is called to be discipled by a person, by a Christian of godly character. If you want to look more into that, you can look back five weeks from now. The idea is that anybody has the ability and everybody is called to be a legit disciple. 
First of all, everybody's called to be a legit disciple. How can I say that? Because I believe, scripturally, that everybody is called to be discipled. And if you're called to be discipled, therefore you're called to be a disciple. And a disciple is what the Bible speaks of a disciple. So there's either you're either legitimately a disciple or you're illegitimately. I'm telling you, man, this thing is getting to my tongue, bro. <laughs> you're illegitimately a disciple. You hear what I'm saying? Everybody, the good news is this, is that everybody has the ability to be a legit disciple. Because these are not gifts. As we look at these characteristics and qualities, they're not gifts. They're not things that you have to earn. They're just things that you do and you apply to your life. And everybody in this room and every man and woman has the ability to apply these things to be a legit disciple. That's the good news. Okay, bro, I don't know if I can do that. Well, I'm telling you tonight, these things are starting to smell better, bro. I'm telling you tonight that you do have the ability to be a legit disciple. Legit disciple is humble. You have the ability to humble yourself. Say amen. You have that ability inside of you. The legit disciple is also humble. I just said that. Is this thing laced with something, bro? <laughs> it's a legit lifesaver, for, for real. Uh, the legit disciple is also available, right? He's available. He's there. He's on call. He was at Paul. Tim was at Paul's beck and call. When Paul needed something, he called him. Bam, he was there. This thing is killing me. Seriously. Sarah San Martin puts all this work into it, and people are folding it up and throwing it around. The I, I know. I said it, bro. I said it. The devil. <sighs> he's humble. He's available. And last week we said he's faithful. He didn't just do it, but he followed through with excellence. Amen. Amen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, and we'll get started with the next, uh, what did I say? 1 Thessalonians, right? 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. This should be going backwards a little bit. Sorry, I didn't know where I was there for a minute. And we'll get started on the next characteristic, the next one. He's humble. He's available. He's faithful. First Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1. Speaking of Tim again. How many like Tim? You've been learning to appreciate young Tim? Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Tim. Yeah. Our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in your faith, that no one would be moved by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are destined for this. And he goes on and on and on. But the key verse is verse 2. We sent Tim, or Timothy, our brother and God's 
co-worker in the gospel of Christ. Tim was their brother and God's co-worker. Tonight, the message is to Timothy, or sorry, the legit disciple is self-motivated. Self-motivated. Amen? Amen. You've said amen about five or six times. I'm going to keep doing it. Self-motivated. Let's pray and ask God to speak to us and to encourage us, to renew our minds, to show us what it looks like to be a legit disciple and how to live it out. Sound good? That sound good, David? Good, man. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, tonight, Lord, we are forever grateful and thankful, God, that you love us. Thank you, God, that you love us. It's because of your love for us, God, that we can stand with boldness and confidence, that we can laugh and smile, knowing that, God, you are with us, that you're strong in us. God, we thank you that tonight, Lord, you are here in our midst. Lord, you say we're two or more gather, you are there in our midst. And so, Father, we come to you tonight through Jesus, by your Spirit. And, God, we ask that you would sound out the voice of the enemy, and, God, that your truth would prevail and be heard in every ear and every heart and every mind in this room. And God, that you would encourage those who are discouraged. God, the weak would be strengthened tonight. God, that those who are uh, depressed, Lord, would be renewed and strengthened in their heart. God, that you'd bring joy to our hearts tonight, that peace would settle on us like dew. God, that your love would cause our hearts to be filled up today, this night, with your love, God, that we would love you and truly love one another. God, we're asking you don't, wouldn't only just teach us about your word, but God, help us to live it out. Show us how to practically live out your word. We're not just looking for some goosebumps in our feelings and emotions tonight, but God, we really want to be changed from the inside out. So do that tonight. It's our faith in Jesus' name. Amen. I, uh, growing up, uh, my dad had a boat, still does, but uh, you think that's funny? Yeah, somebody got blessed already. Okay, so growing up, my dad had a boat, and still does, and uh, we would go out to Seward uh, every fall, and uh, we would go fishing. They had a, they had a derby down there, up in, uh, down there in Seward, and uh, so my dad would take us on, our, on his boat, and we'd go out and try to catch some salmon. Anybody done that before? Caught you a salmon? Anybody gone fishing out of Seward? Anybody? Sweet. And so I've had some amazing experiences. I almost died one time. I've had some good experiences. I've had some ups and downs all over the place. One time, fish jumped over the boat. That was incredible. Uh, It was like the fish were so thick in this particular area that it looked like the fish were boiling in the water. It looked like the water was boiling. And uh, it was during this time that we were trolling back and forth, and uh, we realized that we didn't have enough gas. And you, you kind of need gas, you know? And uh, so we drive over to the harbor. So we, we were at Miller's Landing. I don't know if you guys know where Miller's Landing. It's kind of the end of the road in Seward at this campground. I've been going there since I was like three. Um, and we were camped there, and then we drove all the way out in front of the city to fishing. And as we were there, we needed to go back to the harbor to get some gas. And they have a little pit stop there. You kind of fill up, get gas, get a Snickers bar, get a, get a coffee. Anyway, and, you just, 
and we just keep going. Well, my dad asked the guy, the, one of the guys that were with us, to go ahead and fill up the gas tank. You say, uh-oh. Yeah, exactly. Uh-oh. It gets worse. He was drunk. And uh, seriously, like he was drunk. And uh, so my dad went in to go get some Snickers and stuff. I don't know why. Apparently Snickers are like good if you get stranded on an island. I don't know. They got nuts in them. And <laughs> I don't Don't ask me. I, I think it was just an excuse to eat Snicker bars, you know. Hey, just in case. You know. Well, why are you eating them? Oh, they taste good. Well, uh, so we... we uh, me and my dad go in, and we're out there, or we're in the, in the shop getting some stuff, and the dude is filling up the gas with the, what do you call those things, the nozzle, the it's nozzle, thank you. And he's filling up the gas tank, so we thought. And 15 minutes later, I come out there, and the dude's still filling up. I'm going, Dad, is this tank that big? Because I, I kind of stepped outside, I saw him still filling up, so I, went, I said, "Daddy," because my dad was waiting in there for the kind of the, the cash register dude to let, because he could know how much it actually registered inside the. You see what I'm saying? So my dad was waiting there, waiting, like, "Okay, all right, what's going on?" So I walked out there. I was like, "Is that dude still filling up?" So I walked out there. I was like, "Rick," the guy's name was Rick. He said, "What's up?" You know, I was like, "Are you still filling up?" He's like, "Yeah, I don't know. This thing's thirsty." You know, he's all cracking jokes and stuff. And I was like, walk over to the deal, and I grabbed the nozzle, turned it off, pulled it out, and I'm going, and at first I didn't recognize, but then five seconds later, I realized that he put the nozzle inside the fishing pole holder. <laughs> the dude put it in the wrong hole, and for the entire 15 minutes, the gas was going into the bottom of the boat and filling up the entire bottom of the boat. And so I'm going, this ain't good. And I'm realizing that, like, it's leaking out the sides. Like, it was full. So I jump in the boat, and I pull up the motor, like the, the motor cap deal, the hood for the motor, and it's full. Like, it's starting to spill out the sides. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Th- this is the worst part. Right before I get there, the dude's about ready to smoke a cigarette. Getting ready to... <laughs> true story. True story. Gas is like pouring out. He's like, "Oh gosh!" You know, he's freaking out. He like grabbing a coffee cup, trying to scoop the gasoline out of the out of, into the ocean. You know. So this was this was uh, this. My idea was, you know, let's just pay and get out of here. You know, <laughs> hey, I was I wasn't saved yet. Don't judge me. I was totally unregenerate. Totally not. You know, and. Uh, <laughs> So we did. We we got we got in the boat and and uh, drove away. Gas trail trailing us the whole way out, and fish are popping up, you know, dying, and just grabbing the net, scooping them in as we're driving. No, I'm just kidding. That didn't happen. But but seriously, I learned a lesson. Don't let drunk people fill up your boat. Amen. Amen. So let's pray and let's go home tonight because that's a good message right there. Fill up your own tank. Stop relying on your parents. I'm just kidding. No, I'm serious, actually. Hey, if they're willing to pay it, just receive it, okay? But, uh, no, but I did realize something. We cannot trust other people to fill up our tanks. And we can't trust other people 
to motivate us. Because you may rely on a man or a friend or a pastor or a leader or a mentor or a parent or a president or a governor or a mayor or a teacher or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a sibling or a cousin even to motivate you, inspire you to live a life of passion for God. But one day or another, they're going to put the gas in the wrong hole. Or better yet, you're just not going to get filled up. And you're not going to get motivated. And we as Christians, we cannot rely on man to motivate us. But the sad thing is, most of us go to church or listen to a podcast or listen to somebody singing music on an iPod to motivate us to be passionate about God. I'm talking about those of us who rely on an iPod that plays music to inspire and motivate us to be passionate about God. I know I'm challenging somebody. I'm talking about those of us who come to church because we're discouraged. And, I, and you know what? I'm glad that you're here if you're discouraged because I hope that by the end of the night you'd be encouraged. It's one of the reasons I would call this night Ignite. We hope that you'd get ignited. But we're not, we don't want you to keep getting ignited. We want you to get ignited, stay ignited, be aflamed, and allow every time you come here that we'd fan a flame to the passion and fire in your heart. But you should not rely on man to motivate you or to fill up your tank. You see what I'm saying? Or the podcast. Click on that podcast or listen to that preacher to get me encouraged or inspired. Or even read that book. Whatever it is for you, whatever system, whatever structure, whatever program that you have relied on to motivate, to encourage, to inspire you, is not helping you. And then there's those of us who are not motivated at all and we sit and act like the sky is falling and I might as well be dead and you don't even want to get motivated and you have nothing that motivates you at all. And I'm speaking to both of you that you're both wrong with a smile on my face. And I want to be honest. Time to time, as I was saying earlier, I look for man to motivate me. And this is the truth also, side note. We need each other. The truth is, you do need each other. And you need each other to encourage you. And we need this time of fellowship where we come together and we worship God together and we spend time together and we finger joust each other. The funny thing is about 60% of the people over here are looking down. Right when I said finger joust, I looked up, you know. <laughs> Just kidding. True story. And we, I mean, we need that. But I'm talking about Christians that whether they come to church or not, whether there's persecution and hardship or not, they're motivated internally because they have a revelation of the God of the universe that dwells inside of them by His Spirit. I'm talking about Christians that come together and they actually want to worship 
and they actually want to read their Bible. And when they fellowship, they don't cringe at the name of Jesus, but they look forward at talking about what Jesus had done in their life. I'm talking about church looking a lot different than just one guy getting up and preaching and everybody hoping that they feel better by the time they leave. I'm talking about each one of you internally being self-motivated to worship and love Jesus and trade their, li their life for a human being, to see them come to know Christ or grow in Christ. I'm talking about every single one of you being a man or a woman that is self-motivated. Look at Timothy. Tim did everything. He was humble. He was available. He was faithful. Because he was self-motivated. Because he was self-driven. Because he knew how to start up his engine when he got up in the morning. When I was younger, I had this little scooter. You think I'm talking about a scooter that has two wheels? You're mistaken. It was called a red scooter. And it was a snow machine. And it went 45 miles an hour. And it was small, very small. And I started out with a little, little one. It went about 30 miles an hour. Anybody seen these before? Like little red sc scooter, I think they're called. And, uh, and these were so old and ghetto that you had to jump kick them. You know? And I was, I remember when I was little, when I was about seven, uh, my, all my brothers had like nicer snow machines. But this was back when a nice snow machine went like 40, you know? With this yeah, the Tundras, yeah. This was like, exactly. And I had this little scooter deal. And uh, the cool thing was that my friends would come over, but none of them knew how to start up the scooter. So they'd be like, man, I'm going to go to Gabriel's house, and we're going to go ride that scooter. But like, yeah, sure, sit back, chill, watch them, out in the, watch them out in the freezing cold. Oh, it's freezing out here, man. They're like trying to start this thing, and I just laugh at them, come out there. Yeah, you know, and I thought it was the coolest thing. Seriously, true story. And uh, as I got older, my dad got a nicer one. And that one, like, you didn't have to do anything. You just turned the key. And I was like, yeah. Well, I didn't like that as much because then my friend's cord is, yeah. And they take off my snow machine. I could have taken the key out. That's true. But you know what? I was 10. I was 10. I'm going to stand over here for a little bit. I'm offended, Justin. No, I'm just kidding. Do you know how to start your engine? And do you rely on other people to start your engine? Or do you look forward to somebody else getting in your life to start your engine? Because you don't know how to start your engine. I'm thankful I knew how to start my little scooter. But I'm, I'm talking spiritually now. Do you know how to activate and motivate yourself based on the biblical truths of the Bible? Everything that Tim did was based out of a motivation that he had internally. It wasn't because of Paul that he did these things, though he was serving Paul. But ultimately, he was serving Christ, God, inside of Paul. As we've said before, you're not following your mentor. You're following Christ inside of your mentor. Because when your mentor goes outside of the boundaries and the biblical foundations that have been set before us, then you don't follow that. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So you are following Christ in the person, right? 
So everything that Tim did was from that perspective of, man, I am passionately serving God. I'm not doing this for Paul. I'm doing this for God. You have to realize that humility, availability, and faithfulness is not enough. You must, as a legit disciple, be constantly passionate and motivated and driven for Christ and his kingdom. Internally. I'm talking about getting out of the slumber that you're in continually and waiting for some preacher to save you out of your slumber. Waiting for some message to get you out of your apathetic mindset and mentality and perspective of life. Waiting for gold to fall out of the sky for you to be happy. We have these unrealistic expectations. We live in laziness and slothfulness. God wants us to be motivated. There is a starter in you. And all it needs is some gas and a spark. And you get going. And that gas and spark is not another man. It's Christ and what he's done. Tim showed us this example when the Bible says that Timothy is God's co-worker. This tells me something. As I read this little passage where it says that Tim was our brother and God's co-worker, it tells me that Paul saw something in little Tim. It shows me that when Paul was around Tim, Paul had a revelation. He realized that Tim was not doing all this work, all of this dying to himself, all of this traveling just for Paul. But he was doing it in relationship and partnership with God. He realized that Paul wasn't just trying to or Timothy wasn't just trying to please Paul. He realized that Tim was doing everything out of an internal motivation to walk with God. And so therefore he says, he is God's co-worker. You know, actually some of your translations will say something very different. Because that, is a, that statement right there is, was so profound that many of the people who would translate it didn't like that Timothy was a co-worker. So they would actually take that, some translations have taken that out of the Bible and replaced it with our co-worker or a servant for God or something like that. But when the Bible says, when Paul emphatically teaches and says, I looked it up, it really does say he was his co-worker, he says, Paul says, Timothy is God's co-worker. 
he was saying and establishing something that was foreign to these people's mindsets. And he was saying this so that, that these one day when Paul or when Timothy would go to the Thessalonians, that when he got there that they would receive Timothy because they knew that this man was approved, that he was legit, he was a man because he was working and walking with God. And so when Paul says this, he's not just flattering Timothy. Oh, Tim, just, the dude's just walking with God. No, but he was actually saying, this guy, Tim, he's doing everything he's doing in relationship with God. His motivation isn't for me. His motivation isn't for selfish gain. His motivation isn't to get money. His motivation isn't because somebody told him to do it. His motivation is that he is walking in step with the God of the universe. In other words, Paul, you can go as far to say that Paul is insinuating that if he was God's co-worker, that therefore if Paul died, Timothy would keep on going. And my question tonight is this. If that podcast or that church or that worship music stopped in your life, would you continue to serve God? If this church didn't exist, God forbid, it will. As long as God wills. But if it didn't, would you still be keep on going? Because too many times we allow systems like this. When I say this, I mean a service with, a, with people who can play and sing songs and do awesome, and then somebody who speaks to make you feel better. I'm not doing that, but that's what some people think. We rely on those things to get us all hyped up. Can I, I, don't, I don't preach or teach or live from hype. When I'm in my office or when I'm trying to get ready for a message like this, I don't try to get pumped up. This isn't a basketball game. This isn't the NFL Super Bowl. I don't call people to try to make me feel better about myself. Though there are times when I make, man, I need a brother to pray with me because I just don't have the strength right now to get going. And there are times when we need each other. But to live continually day by day waiting for that next church service to feel better and to get motivated, my goodness, we serve a God that's bigger than that. And a God that's more personal than that, too. God is not only for you, God is not only to meet you at church, God is to meet you daily, wherever you are. Whether you're in a classroom and you need to be motivated and inspired, the Bible says that you are the temple of God. 1 Corinthians 6 19. Do not, don't you know that you are the temple of God? And then he asks again later in Corinthians, he says, Don't you know? That you are indwelt by Christ? Examine yourselves. Test yourselves to see. That's 2 Corinthians. I think that's like chapter 10. But the point is this. We don't need some external motivation. Because we live under the new covenant. The new covenant is where God crawls up on the inside of your mortal body and he gives you a desire. He gives you a motivation. He inspires you from the inside out to do something that you would not normally want to do or be inclined to do by your nature. 
but we still rely on some external motivation. And I'm just saying that's not legit. And if you want to be legit, don't rely on those things. So Paul saw that Tim was doing it for and with God. Paul also saw that Tim knew his calling and mission was given by God. This is so important, young people. Let me, let me reiterate again. This was young Tim. They, they suppose that he was between the ages of 16 and early 20s, probably 23, 24 max, when he started walking with Tim. In the book of 1 Timothy, they supposedly he was about mid-30s, and he was still young in their eyes, which I think if you're in your 30s, you're still young too. But this is a young guy like us, a young disciple like us. And he knew his mission, and he knew his calling. He knew his mission, and he knew his calling. Do you hear what I'm saying? He knew his calling. Do you, do you know your calling? Do you know that God has a purpose and plan for you right now? Not just for me. Not just for your mom. Not just for your dad. But for you. You're alive right now for a reason. Do you know why? I know why I'm here. Not to say it arrogantly, but to show you that you can know as well why you're here. I'm here to love my wife, raise a family, and build God's church. And that's why I'm here tonight. Whether the church gives me money to do that or not, that's my calling. Whether they say the church is not giving you any more money to do that or not, this is my calling. I didn't choose it. They didn't choose me. God chose me to do this work. Do you know your calling? Do you know what God has lined out for you to do? And if you don't, don't just throw it off and say, well, one day when I get older. He knew his mission and he knew his calling. He had an internal conviction of it. Paul did not need to continually motivate Tim. Are you need, are, do, you, do you need to be continually motivated? Paul didn't need to do that. Paul didn't need to say, hey, Tim, don't forget, bro. Hey, don't forget. Now, listen, there were times, if you read First and Second Timothy, where Paul was encouraging Timothy. Hey, be strong in that grace. Hey, remember those prophecies that were said about you. Because the truth is, like I said earlier, we do need encouragement from time to time. I just heard a prophecy that was spoken over me a couple days ago. I heard it a couple days ago that was spoken over me a few years ago. And, and I was encouraged. I was reminded, okay, that's right. I know. I've heard that four times, and God spoke to me that when I got saved. Cool. But do I rely on that and look for the next prophet to come lay their hands on me and say, thus says the Lord, my son, my daughter. Hopefully not both. That'd be weird. But, you know, depending on the gender. 
my son or my, uh, what are you? Lord, do what you can, Lord, you know. <laughs> Don't judge me. I didn't say nobody in this room. The legit disciple is self-motivated. My question for you tonight is, who are you doing it for? Why are you here tonight? Why are you serving? Who are you doing it for? Gabriel, I'm doing it for God. Really? Are you sure? <clears throat> I need water, man. You really are. If you're really doing it for God, then I have a test for you. You ready for a test? Too bad. I'm taking a test tonight. If you're really doing it for God, then I can tell you if you really are. If you say you are, I'll be able to tell you whether you are or not. If you're really doing it for God, then whether you're alone or not, you still live in holiness. Whether it's just you and your girlfriend or your boyfriend or not, you're still living in holiness. Whether it's just you and your computer or many people, either one, whether it's you and the computer alone or it's you and many people with your computer, you're still living in holiness and staying off those websites because you're in love with Jesus. Because you know that one day you'll stand before God who will either reward you openly or he'll discipline you openly. If you're really doing it for God, if you're really motivated for and by God and walking with God, then it doesn't matter if you're alone or if you're around crowds of people, you'll still live with passion to love God. If nobody's around, my prayer life should look the same as if I were around many people. Because if I were really doing it for God, then my goodness, I better do it when nobody's looking. When nobody's looking, is my conviction still there? Like when I go to throw something away and it bounces off the rim and it hits the ground. Oh, I don't care. The janitor will get it. The devil's a liar. You're your own janitor. Pick up your stuff. Clean your bathroom. Clean your bedroom. Stop waiting on the janitor. You call the janitor your mom. And that's wrong. When nobody's looking, do you pick up the trash that you threw? Man, I can't tell you how many times I do something. I throw something, specifically, that, that example right there, throwing something away. And I'm walking, I'm in a rush, and I, it, it, I miss. And then I'm, dang it, whatever. And I take off, I get all the way down to my car, turn the key on. And the Lord said, really? Lord, I'm late. Yeah, you're about to be late, you know. Dang it. Turn that car off, run upstairs, throw that thing away. Because I'm living, I want to live for Jesus. Whether people are looking or not, are you doing it for God? Are you doing it for God? Do you know your calling? And do you rely on other people to continually motivate you? See, the legit disciple doesn't have to be continually motivated. I'm, I'm saying, from time to time, we do need an encouragement. But for some of us, it's from time to time to time to time to time to time. 
in that one day. Okay, somebody tell me I look good. Okay, somebody. Anybody? Okay. Does anybody see me? Say something about me. Brother, just pray for me. Brother, will you pray for me? Brother, I need. Bro, I prayed for you the last three days, man. Go pray for yourself, you know. I'm about to say to somebody. Now, look, look, we want to pray for you. We want to pray for you because we're here for each other. But you got to hear, you hear what I'm saying? Man, don't rely. The key word is R-E-L-Y. Rely. Is that right? Did I spell that right? Okay, thanks. Rely. Are you relying, I-N-G, on man? Or are you relying on God to motivate and empower you? Come on. Man, does, does anybody hear what I'm saying? Does anybody want to live a life where you are continually motivated? Do you know that you can? You can. I'm about to show you that you can. That you can be a legit disciple that is motivated. That whether or not your mentor is there or not, you're still going to serve. That you're going to have a desire, you can have a desire to get up in the morning and read your Bible and pray whether somebody's watching you and rewarding you or not. That you can have a desire to show up early to a meeting, to serve and do anything you can to be a servant. You can have an internal motivation and inspiration to do what you should do. Legit disciple should have a desire to worship. As I was saying during the worship time, they should be excited about Jesus all the time. This is simple. We sent Tim, our brother and God's co-worker, in the gospel of Christ. He is God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ. He is God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ. You know what the gospel of Christ is? <sighs> it's really good news. It's why we're here, and if we're here for any other reason, then we're here for the wrong reason. Gentlemen, for that girl, or girl, for that boy. Jesus. Jesus is really good. Have you experienced the goodness of Jesus? Have you? Anybody? Because we say yeah about a lot of other things, but have you experienced the goodness of Jesus? Have you experienced a transformation inside of your heart where you were at one point totally dead, spiritually speaking, in your sin. 
And you are transformed into a new creation. And you all of a sudden had a desire to worship God and thank God and read your Bible and pray and tell people about Jesus. God who looked down on earth realized that every man by himself and every girl by herself was doomed. For lack of better terms, doomed. There's a party going on in that hallway. You know what's really funny? I shut that, I opened that door. And then they shut the door and they have a party out there. <laughs> it's really funny. Sorry, don't tell them I said that. <clears throat> We were all doomed by ourselves, weren't we? And God looked down, and because of mercy, because of his love that was so great, he looked down, and he said that I'm not going to allow this, my people, to die and go into hell because I love them so much. And so I'm going to send my son who's going to bear their sin and bear all the wrong that they did and not only bear the wrong that they did but bear the consequences of the wrong that they did and so he says see as i start talking about this some of you are like oh i've already heard this gabriel well that's your problem that's your problem right now as i begin to talk about the most marvelous message you're turning your ear away and that's the reason why you're slothful and lazy and you don't have a motivation it's because you've turned your heart and ear away from the most marvelous and important message of your life. And it should be the message that motivates you day in and day out. And if it ain't the message, then you're going to be slothful and lazy. And you're not going to be legit. God sent his son. God gave of himself. Did you know that they had perfect relationship and fellowship? That God in and of himself did not have to create man to love something, but God in and of himself perfectly loved himself. He loved his son and he loved the spirit and they had a perfect fellowship and unity that we know nothing of. We taste of it right now by part and by a certain measure and one day we will experience it in full. But God before man, before the devil, before angels, before demons, before creation, creation God was perfect he needed nothing he needed no one in and of himself was perfect harmony community fellowship love relationship God is perfect in and of himself and he chose out of grace and mercy to say I'm going to create people and they're going to be formed in my image and he did that just that he did just that thing. He made people in his image and they chose to turn against him. And the consequences of that would be separation from him for eternity. And rightfully and justly, he could have said, well, therefore, I'm going to turn my back from you forever because you've turned your back from me. But because, again, he was so rich in mercy because of his love with which he loved us, he looked down and said, no, I'm not done. I'm going to now give my son for them. I'm going to take my son i'm going to separate him from the fellowship that i have so that they would be grafted in to the fellowship i have with my son and with my spirit i'm going to graft them into the loving relationship i'm going to graft them into that community i'm going to graft them in to that encounter that i have with them on a daily basis i'm going to graft them in and so he sends his son and his son comes and he lives a life that you cannot live by yourself he walks on water. He heals sick. He raises the dead. He casts out devils. He speaks the truth. Nobody knew or heard of his wisdom ever before. 
He, pro- he, he prophesies and he fulfills prophecy after prophecy after prophecy that was spoken of him hundreds of years ago, even 800 years before he even came. And then they accuse him of being a blasphemous friend of sinners because he called himself God and he hung out with people that were wrong and sinful and wretched just like you and just like me. And so they put him on a cross after they scourged him and whipped him and beat him and spat on him and punched him. And they hung him naked on a cross and he hung there for hours and he breathed his last breath. But you must understand the full consequences of this. That the Bible actually insinuates and tells us that the father turned his face from his son. And you must understand that he turned his face from his son so that he could once again turn his face to you and bring you and embrace you back into his fold into his family, into his community, that he would receive you again. He turned his face from his son. He rejected and denied his son. He condemned his son for you and for me, for all those who choose to believe on him. I'm talking about Jesus. See, and you got to understand, this Jesus was the mission. He was the mission, as in Everything was done for Jesus. The gospel of Christ was the mission. It was the mission. It was all about Jesus, all for Jesus, all from Jesus. It was about Jesus and his gospel being preached. It was the mission. It was the motivation. This message of Jesus is not only the mission but it's also the motivation this message of Jesus is not only something that we hear and we say well I'm saved now and I just kind of live my life no but it is the mission for our life it is the message for our life and it is the motivation for our life. You want a mission? It's the gospel of Jesus. You want a message that will bring hope and encourage you in a time of distress and hardship? You need the message of the gospel of Christ. You want motivation? Meditate and dwell on the gospel of Christ. That God looked at you and received and embraced you. Because you accepted his son. That's got to be your only motivation. And if you look to any other motivation, you'll just be left hanging. You'll just be sticking your gas nozzle in the wrong hole, killing fishes. (laughs) What's your motivation? Do you have a motivation? The legit disciple doesn't have to be motivated by his or her leader. I'm looking for legit disciples. I'm looking for people that are self-motivated. I'm looking for people that wake up every morning and their only motivation is that God loves them. 
Their only motivation is that God gave them himself for them. Their only motivation is that some way, somehow, that from the life that they live, they might encounter God again. That they might encounter his presence again. Their only motivation is that God, before time began, foresaw them, loved them, embraced them. And that's going to give them everything that they need to live a life for him. Are you living from that motivation? Is your motivation that God loves you or is it that you love God? Because if your motivation is that you love God and you need to work harder to love God, you have the wrong motivation. But if your motivation is how much God loves you and what he did for you, you'll be inspired and encouraged. Because I'll tell you what, when I think about how much I love God, I'm not inspired and encouraged and I'm not motivated. I'm actually discouraged. But when I'm reminded of how much he loves me, my love for him only grows and increases. Because I have an internal motivation that he turns my heart alive and he fills me up with his love. And motivates and inspires me. And you want to be legit? Then you need to set your mind every morning, every day, and every evening. While you wake up, as you walk in your day, as you lay your head down at bed at night, set your mind on the gospel of Christ. And you'll be motivated. And you'll be encouraged. And you'll smile more. And you'll laugh more. And you'll be nicer to people. And it'll be easier for you to worship. And you'll look forward at telling people about Jesus. This is not just some fairy dust that you hope might make you feel good. This is the message of Jesus. What are we doing? You know, like, what are we doing? Are we a Boy Scouts club? Boys and girls group? Boys and Girls Club. We're a Boys and Girls Club 3.0. <laughs> like, we like add Jesus in, you know. You know, are, are we just some people that come together and try to rally you? Or, or are we Christians that are in love with Jesus because he's in love with us? Key, key, key words there, because he's in love with us. Worship team, can we, can we, could we, would you stand with me? Would you all stand with me?